Welcome to Around the Oval, the podcast that looks into different facets of the Ohio State student experience. I'm your host, Rohan Makajani, and we have a pretty cool show coming your way. As always, if you would like to be on the show or have any comments or suggestions, hit us up at aroundtheoval at gmail.com. Also, real quick, apologies, I'm a bit sick while recording this episode on Tuesday at 4.30 right now, so I may sound a bit more muzzled than I would have liked. Let's get into it. But first, here's Hang On Sloopy. All right, we're back at Around the Oval for another interview this week with our guest, Megan Mansoor. What's going on, Megan? Hey, Rohan. Thanks for having me. We're going to do something new here to introduce our guests. I kind of realized that none of you really knew who Jordan or Andrew were. So this time, shout out to Clark Kellogg for this little trick. We're going to do a little fun thing called the five H's. So first H, where's your hometown? Cincinnati, Ohio. Who's your hero? His name is Chris Hadfield. He is an astronaut and the author of a book called An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, which was really inspiring. What's your favorite hobby? I love watching Frasier on Netflix. What's one habit that you have? I drink coffee every morning. Last H, what do you hope for in the future? I am hoping to become a physician. What about you? What are your five H's? It's becoming a trend now where people are flipping questions on me. All right, I'll run through these then. Uh, One, my hometown is Centerville, Ohio. If you tuned in last week, you heard my fun little rant about Sabaro at the Dayton Mall. Still don't like that place. My hero, Guy Fieri. Easy. Hobby, I play guitar. That's fun. Uh, Habit I have, I listen to the same optimal arousal playlist an hour before each exam. And hope, I hope that, I hope that anti-vaxxing parents take slight offense to my comparison of them to Russ averaging a triple-double. So there you have it. That's my hope. Vaccinate your kids. All right, on to the actual interview. Megan, what's your what's your official title? Actually, we can look that up. What are you OSU talking about? OSU Find People. We can look what's that up. What's my official title? Student. Job title, student assistant, working title, student admin assistant. So what do you do? What do you do at Ohio State other than being a full-time student? Some of my time is spent as a TA. What are you TA for? Organic chemistry lab. And what made you want to become a teaching assistant? Never expected that I would. Um, I loved OCHEM when I was in the class, but teaching it never crossed my mind until one of my TAs actually reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested. And I'm really glad she did because it's been one of the best experiences of my college career so far. So I feel like this would be beneficial for some students to know, especially those who are currently in OCHEM lab. What does the ideal OCHEM student look like from the TA's perspective? A student that asks a lot of questions, but clearly shows in their question that they've thought about it beforehand and they've put in the work. So we all know this. Grades can be highly TA dependent, especially in lab. So how do you think as a TA, someone should go about adjusting to a maybe not so great TA or a harsh grader. I think it's really important to go to office hours. It shows that they're taking control of their learning. What would you say to a student who is considering becoming a TA? I would say go for it, for sure. I think if you love a class, 
you should reach out either to a professor or a TA and just see if you might be able to get involved that way. It teaches you, I mean, it, it not only solidifies what you just learned in that class, but it also, for me, has taught me a lot of things I could never have learned in the classroom. Yeah, what are some of those things? When you're taking a class with someone, you already know where they're at. You know the words that they know. But when you're a TA, you have to put your brain in somebody else's head. And that's been challenging for me, but I've really enjoyed it. What's the best part about being a TA? You can really get students excited about a class that you loved. How do you do that? Especially in the lab. That's got to be tough. Yeah, no student well, really wants to be there for four hours. Well, for lab, at least for Oakham, a lot of it is procedure-based. So like, why am I putting this into the beaker? Um, but then you can also talk about the actual organic chemistry concepts. And I would like to think that my time so far working as a TA has helped me to get better at figuring out just from the way students ask questions or even just the way they're looking at me, what they're confused about. And then I can go into detail and it's really fun to watch them suddenly understand what I'm saying. That was probably my favorite part about the TAs that I had. Uh, one specifically, James. Shout out to you, James. Don't know your last name. Sorry about that. I think you graduated now. He, Whenever me or my lab partner, we had a question about something specific, he would go through the mechanism with us and like draw it with an Expo marker on our glass hood. Oh, that's a good idea. I should do that. I always it, use a chalkboard. Yeah, it... I don't know, it just made it seem a lot more personal because I know the TA has like 20 to 25 students that they're trying to manage, but seeing a TA go out of their way to draw a mechanism, which is a pretty tedious process, I don't know, that just made me feel more involved in the learning process and made me want to do well for James. What about, what's your what's your least favorite part about being a TA? Giving a bad grade. It's so depressing, but... We have a rubric and you got to follow it. And sometimes you're just looking around for points to award. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I get I get pretty frustrated when TAs give me a low grade, especially in the early days of like Gen Chem. And I was like, this seems arbitrary. So if you do give a student a bad grade and the student feels that it was unwarranted, how should they approach you about that situation? This is actually something that I've been very passionate about for a long time now, even before I was a TA. I think a lot of students have a lot of emotion invested in their grades, which makes sense. Makes a lot I mean, of sense. We all That's do, what right? we're here for. Yeah, for it's, paying it's a our lot job. of money for. It's our full-time job. Get these grades. <laughs> I said get this bread. I think the natural inclination is to allow anger at a bad grade to infiltrate the way that we approach the situation. And a lot of that can put you at a disadvantage for what you're asking for. I think a lot of TAs or professors are going to be more inclined to help you if you come at it with an attitude of, I need help instead of, why did you give me this bad grade? I think asking someone for help in person is always more effective just because they're face-to-face. -face, they can see that you're actually there because you're concerned about your learning and you're not just trying to get points. That's actually something that was said in one of Dr. Fuse's metacognition strategy workshop thingies where he had Dr. Alex Agrico come in from the College of Medicine. And I distinctly remember Dr. Grieco saying that asking for help is the greatest sign of respect for someone. And I think that 100% applies to the TA because they're there for your betterment. Yeah, it's a win-win. What's your favorite memory from being a TA? So I feel like I became pretty good friends with a lot of the students in my class last semester. And I just remember there was this one row of four students. And every time I turned that corner, I just knew they were going to make some witty remark or say something really silly. And it just was a really fun way to spend four hours. 
What's one thing as a TA that absolutely gets your blood boiling? When people ask questions and it's so obvious that they put absolutely no thought into What does that mean? Because I feel like no so, questions are stupid. Here's but an example. That's not the case. There was a student last week I was helping, and this is the precise question that I was asked. So how are we supposed to like know? I have no idea what you're thinking. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it would help. You really have to let the TA help you and give them all the information they need to make the interaction as productive as possible. I often say there are no stupid questions, but saying I don't get it isn't a question. So both are still valid. The best questions are ones where you show that you've thought through the problem and you can explain to your TA, so this is what I understand and this is how far I've gotten. This is the precise point in this problem where I'm stuck. I think that's something that my professor did too. If you ever asked him a question, he would make you pull out your notebook and so he would see what practice problems you did. Exactly. And if you had nothing written on the page, he kind of knew that you were full of, full of garbage because we're avoiding those expletives on this show now. What's one thing that irked you as a student in OCHEM lab that you took a deliberate approach to change as a TA and now a head TA? My, one of my TAs would kind of progressively start restricting the kinds of questions that we could ask in lab. And so, for example, if we needed to put cat clamps on some kind of glassware to run a reaction, there would come a point in the semester where we were no longer allowed to ask him you know, can you come look at my setup? Do I have the clamps in the right place? And so as a TA, especially last semester, when I was in the lab, I would always make sure that they felt comfortable asking even questions that they thought might be stupid because no question is stupid as long as you've thought about it. All right. So moving on, another side gig of yours is Doctors Without Borders. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to talk about this. A couple years ago, Doctors Without Borders the international organization, started an initiative to try to get college students more involved in their mission. And my sister was browsing through the website, and she realized that there were a lot of different colleges that had already started collaborating with them, but Ohio State was surprisingly not on the list. So she reached out, sent an email to somebody at Doctors Without Borders, and they got back and they said they would be really excited to work with us. So we started an official undergraduate chapter, and we just kind of built it from the ground up. We recruited some of our really good friends to form the original executive board, and then recruited through applications and interviews and things, and it's been a lot of fun. We have three, I guess, main tenets of our organization. The first one is to volunteer locally, just some organizations in the Columbus area, hospices, free clinics, things like that. Um, we like to get our students out there, start making a difference in the Columbus area. We also fundraise for the Doctors Without Borders organization. Um, I'm the treasurer, so this is the tenant that I care the most about. And so Doctors Without Borders is a non-government, non-profit organization that sends phys physicians from all over the world primarily the UK, US, France, to countries that are not only uh, war-torn, but also who have experienced natural disaster. And they do all of this voluntarily. They take their own time, their own money, and they go to these different countries to help out. And so obviously that's expensive. And one of our goals is to help them alleviate the cost. And our third goal is because we are an awareness group, uh, we ra raise awareness not just about what Doctors Without Borders does, but also about the issues that they faced. And so typically, we'll start our meetings with um, an update from Doctors Without Borders 
just kind of what they've been doing, what country they were doing it in. A lot of times they'll have specific details on an unnamed patient, but, you know, it'll say a six-year-old in Yemen, and it really hits home because you realize these things are really going on, and this organization is putting a lot of effort into helping these people. Um, We recruited two directors of international travel, and we have been working on planning a trip to Ghana. So we're sending 16 people to Ghana for two and a half weeks in May, which is really exciting. We just booked the flights today. So those are students and not physicians. Yeah. So these are all undergraduate students. At Ohio State. At Ohio State. And so we're collaborating with a another organization called Plan My Gap Year to go to Ghana. And oh, that's perfect. work in a hospital for two and a half weeks. So how would a student interested in Doctors Without Borders get involved with it? Um, the easiest way is to email osu at msfchapter.org. What's the typical student look like in Doctors Without Borders? For both of the involvement fairs that we've worked, a lot of students come up to us and say, I'm not a doctor, so can I join? Which I think is really cute. We're all undergrads, but um, you don't even have to be pre-med or have any interest in it interest in the medical field. It's really all about the mission. So what's an unexpected hoop that you had to jump through during the process of forming your own org at Ohio State? I think we didn't realize how much work it would actually be to start an organization from the ground. There were five of us on the initial e-board and there were just so many things that needed to get done that didn't fall into one of our executive board position descriptions. But student life is really supportive. Um, It's pretty easy to get a hold of them. And once you just go into the meeting, they have everything laid out because there are so many organizations that already exist on campus that they know what you need and they kind of anticipate what you're going to ask before you even ask it. So our couple of meetings at the union with student life were really smooth. Uh, We got all of our questions answered and um, I specifically had to go back and ask the financial director of all of the student organizations just to get clarification on on how it all works. All the orgs have to submit an audit at the end of every year. So we really have to make sure that's all in order. And she walked me through the whole process. um, It was really easy. So if you have a passion or an interest in something and you realize that there's really not an organization on campus that doesn't address that passion, I would say even though it's such a large university, It can kind of feel overwhelming to try to start an organization. I wouldn't let that hold you back because once you've made the decision to go for it, there are so many people that can help you. Moving on, last summer, I remember hearing about you having a fascinating, somewhat devastating and eye-opening experience. And so can you share that process with us? Sure. So over the summer, I actually got the results of a CAT scan that showed a tumor about the size of a football um, in my side. And it was just totally squishing everything else inside of me. So I didn't even know it was there. So these things happen. And of course, from the CAT scan, all they could tell it was a, was that it was a tumor. So they didn't know if it was cancer or not, which of course was the scariest part. Um, and so the only thing they knew is that I needed surgery pretty soon. And what's kind of ironic is that I was actually in the middle of an internship called the Griever Internship, where we shadow physicians for six weeks straight every week is a different rotation as they call it and the week that I got that news I was actually just starting in the operating room which I was really excited about because that's my ultimate goal hopefully is to become a surgeon and so I had my first day in the operating room 
didn't know anything about the CAT scan at the time. And I was just absolutely floored by how cool surgery is. And so I called my parents actually right away after I had that amazing shadowing experience. And I, I think I just rambled on for like 20 minutes. And my parents were listening to me for 20 minutes thinking she doesn't know that she needs surgery in a few days. And so um, they dropped the bomb on me. Um, And so I ended up meeting with three different surgical oncologists. I'm really lucky that one of my aunts is a surgeon in Columbus, and she knew of another surgeon that could operate. And so we ended up going to a hospital in Columbus. And not going to lie, the recovery was pretty brutal. But what was not brutal was the diagnosis because it was benign. So I feel extremely blessed to be able to report that. So in the moment, you didn't know that it was going to be benign. How were you able to cope with receiving all those bombs that were dropping on you in the summer where you were interning at the medical center? The whole situation was really eye-opening in that I think a lot of college students, we go through life, we're young, we have relatively few health issues, and we kind of take that for granted. And I always have. I'm guilty of that myself. Um, But being on the other side of things, being a patient in probably one of the most intense ways you can be a patient. Especially as a 20-year-old. Yeah, was actually a gift because it made me realize that these things should not be taken for granted. Life is a gift. Every day is a gift. And so in, in hindsight, it was really an experience that helped me to appreciate all of those things. Um, In addition to my friends and my family, I had so many people reach out and say the kindest things that I've ever read. And I just was blown away by how supportive everyone was. And so for students who may be going through fairly life-changing medical circumstances, what would what would you say now that you've gone through a situation, maybe not a similar situation, but a situation, what could you say to maybe ameliorate their thoughts? Don't be afraid to lean on people. Um, I know Jordan touched on this in the sophomore slump that he was talking about in the last episode. It was a a good episode. Uh, He talked about it in terms of just feeling like you're never enough and feeling like it doesn't matter how many organizations you get involved in, you're just not good enough, Um, which was a really good point. But it also applies to these kinds of life-altering difficulties we face. Those are the same people that you lean on during those hard times too. Um, My parents were obviously my main support. My sister was always there and my friends. And so we are sometimes really hesitant to show vulnerability just because we're young and we're strong and we're still trying to make it in the world. So showing that we're vulnerable is just a disadvantage. But um, during these times, you really can't make it without leaning on the people that you have grown to trust. Thank you for sharing that. That's an experience that nobody should have to go through. But I'm happy that you were able to gain some insight from that entire process. On to the slow burn question round. Who's someone you'd like to say thank you to at Ohio State and why? Dr. Callum. Absolutely. Um, I had Dr. Callum for OCHEM 1, and he is the reason that I love OCHEM. And I'm a big believer in first impressions. And I think that also applies to classes. It doesn't just apply to people. And so I've noticed that all of the pre-meds that had a professor they really liked for OCHEM 1 ended up liking OCHEM, and the ones that didn't don't like OCHEM. And That's I'm me. really glad. Yeah, you can take that out. Nah, I'm going to let him know. And I'm really glad that I was lucky enough to have Dr. Callum for my first semester because I think that's why 
I enjoy the class so much, I usually describe him as a professional juggler. <laughs> because when you watch a professional juggler, they're doing something really hard, juggling, you know, like five things at once. And it's really difficult, right? But they make it look so easy. That's what Dr. Callum does when he's teaching OCHEM. He's writing all these organic molecules. Yeah, all I can think about right now is him drawing a bunch of hexagons, making rings for different structures. And yeah. he does it almost seamlessly. Meanwhile, I'm drawing like triangles, trying to make it work. <laughs> just trying to make it look like what's up there. Yeah. It's so hard what he's doing. But if you're watching him, he just makes it look effortless. And you just want to do that yourself. You want to get that good. What's a moment at Ohio State when you were genuinely happy? One of my best friends named Shivani, hey Shivs, is um, really passionate about her culture. And I go over to her apartment a lot. And she's always got some kind of Bollywood movie playing. And there are so many things that you can learn just from asking your friends about their cultures. And I've found that a lot of my friends are really excited about it. And so Shivani specifically is really good at kind of putting herself in other people's shoes who might not know anything about the culture and explaining why it's significant. And so I guess moments that I've been genuinely happy, I'm sitting on her little green couch in her apartment, watching those Bollywood movies, talking to her roommates, just having a chill girls night. What's one outlandish thing that you've done during your time at Ohio State that you'd be willing to share with the listeners? I remember walking around Involvement Fair and I passed this board for the Ohio State flight team. And I've always been really interested in aviation, know nothing about it. And so they, the team, the coach was there, the team looked really nice. So I thought about it for a while and I thought that it sounded like absolutely nothing I would ever do and decided to go for it anyway. So for the first few months of my sophomore year, I went to their practices. They're on Saturdays. They're like all day long. What does practice look like? Do you get to like jump out of fake planes on the <laughs> gym mats? Well, there's no jumping because safety first, but mostly depends on what event that you want to compete in. The events you compete in depend on the whether you're licensed or not, whether you're a licensed pilot or not. I was not, still not. Um, but if you are, you can fly and there are a few flying competitions you can do there are some competitions where they're based on recognizing different kinds of planes uh, there's another competition where you have to recognize parts of i think it's like the cessna 170 ohio state has you can look it up they're, they're pretty cute planes really really small and you go through a plane at the competition you can run around a plane inside and out and you have to find like a hundred things wrong with it in five minutes and each university has their own they call it flow to approaching that event and so they would bring out this top secret binder of the flow for Ohio State's approach to finding all of these things wrong with the plane and so that's the one that I started on and it was so interesting I knew absolutely none of the parts of the plane by the end of it I knew quite a few and it was like exponential learning for me and it was a lot of fun. So I would encourage you, if you are interested in something and you just think it sounds nothing like you, go for it anyway. Because even if you can't stick with it, it's still something that you might be really happy that you tried. I couldn't stick with the flight team. I was asking way too many questions. But Kind of like me in podcasting. <laughs> Yikes. But you never know what could happen. Kind of like me with podcasting. What the heck? <laughs> Last question for the slow burn round. What's your hidden gem at OSU or in Columbus that changed the game for you? Bistro. The cafe? The cafe. Interesting. Yeah. Go on. It's not really a hidden gem in that it's hidden. I mean, it's right there. It's, yeah. It's, you can read the sign. Everybody knows it. The hidden aspect of it for me is that I use it to study. 
It does have a lot of good seating. It's really nice to study in a place where there are doctors and nurses and people all around you that are doing what you want to do with your life. And, you know, they'll just be talking about the patient that they just saved that morning. And it's like, well, this is why I'm doing all this hard work now is so that hopefully someday I can sit down at a lunch table and have that same conversation. Um, And so it's just nice to surround yourself with that kind of positive energy. And with that, that wraps up the third edition of Interviewing Someone. I guess that's the segment name for this with Megan. Thanks, Megan, for coming on. Thank you for having me, Rohan. And now we'll have a brief message from our real sponsor. Oh, yeah, we did it. We're in the big times now. And we're back this week with Brother Benny. What's up, guys? And this week, we decided we're going to rank libraries, I guess. And I was looking online, and there are 11 libraries on OSU's campus. Can't say I've been to all of them. Maybe three at most. I think I've been to four, maybe five. So we're only going to rank those. Um, The ones that deserve shout-outs are the Geology Library, I think, in Orton Hall. Check out the last episode. Apparently, there's a cool desk there with some positive notes that you can go check out. I know there's an Architecture Library. That doesn't seem accessible to everyone. Dare not trespass with my plebeian unartistically inclined mind so no one's not going to be on this list so the ones we're going to rank right now are sel also known as 18th ave thompson library and prior health sciences library those seem to be the three main ones for undergraduate students so for number three for me it's going to be thompson and here's why freshman year i studied in thompson probably at least two to three times a week and i always found seating it was always cool I really enjoyed it. The cafe is super convenient there, and I never really had a problem with seating. Then come finals week, and I go to Thompson every single year for finals week, and there's never any seating possible. I don't know where all of you are showing up from. I speak for all of us when I say, we don't really like you guys when you come in and steal the primetime seats and tables, especially when you're the only one at a table and you're just soaking up four seats because that's really uncomfortable to go sit by someone even though I have had that happen before, and it was really nice. The guy was super nice. Also, the reason why Thompson is last on my list, this one's super specific, no objective reasoning here, but there was one time I was studying in Thompson, and, you know, I drank some coffee, and I had the urge to release. And so I was scouring through the bathrooms, and they're always filled. So there I go, running up and down the stairs, just panicking trying to find an appropriate outlet and i go into one and this was a super uncomfortable situation i go into one and the entire bathroom is like essentially flooded the toilet was overflowing and i didn't know what to do i panicked so the reasonable thing to do i tried flushing it completely backfired on me it was kind of like one of those situations where you try to wash a spoon and the spoon washes you similar thing happened to me And I didn't like it. I had to pack up all my things. I had to leave Thompson immediately. And I'm scarred for life. And so for that reason, Thompson's my number three. All else aside, I really enjoy Thompson. It is kind of weird being in the Buckeye reading room, though. At some point in my college career, I do want to blast something just absolutely obscene in that room just to get whatever reaction there is. There are a few YouTube prank videos like that where a guy will go into one of those silent reading rooms and then start blasting my neck, my back. And I think that would be absolutely hilarious. 
So we'll see. Maybe that'll make Thompson climb up my rankings if I or someone I know would be so courageous as to do that. Ben, what about you? Where's Thompson for you? Well, that uh, that was a lot. Rohan, thanks for that story about you using the restroom. They're memorable experiences for me, you know? <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> never going to forget that. Evidently not. Before I even get to my rankings, uh, I'd like to throw it back to what you said about Orton, the geology, geology library. Yeah, the geology yeah. library. So I've been there a few times, and no disrespect to Jordan, I'm sure the desk thing is really cool, but the main feature that you need to focus on when you go to the to the geology library is there's a big dinosaur, a big dinosaur skeleton right when you walk in, and... That is all the motivation I need to study. Seeing that fierce creature staring at me, knowing that anything could happen if I don't do well on these exams. Yeah, I feel like you're setting up a night at the museum situation. Exactly, exactly. Rexy, if you will. Rexy. Which is the the dinosaur from Night at the Museum. And so... What's the dinosaur's name at Orton? I don't know that it has one. Yeah, Ordy. Well, I think mm, that's a lame. I don't think <laughs> I don't think the name is based on the location. I think of, it's what dinosaur is it? I don't know. It's big and scary, and We're I love go it. T Rex. All right, it's, it's not a T Rex. It's a cute little guy. Certainly not a T Rex. I can tell you that. It's a pterodactyl. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> has no wings. So, anyways, I think that's why Orton's so cool. I'm sure the note that Jordan was talking about is pretty dope, but the dinosaur bones are all I need. Back to the rankings. You asked where I'd put Thompson. I would actually go the exact opposite direction i would put thompson at number one and i know it's kind of mainstream and some people will be like well everybody goes there kind of you mentioned that about finals week Mm -hmm. the trick is just to avoid it during finals week i mean well that's when you need to that's when we study you better adjust because everyone's going to be there or you better go early or you better reserve a room or something because no reserving a room does not work for okay well you'll as soon as you try to sign up you'll find that it's already all filled up And then when you go there to see, oh, maybe someone's not taking the room, you'll probably find a random couple making out. And, you know, that's just not that's just not it. (laughs) Well, couples making out aside and as much as everyone needs to study during finals week, I think it's uh, advisable to try and find a different location during that time. But the rest of the year, I love Thompson for the reasons you mentioned. You've got the cafe. You've got good seating. I think it looks the best visually. For sure. So if aesthetics are your thing. That's another motivating factor. You feel comfortable there a lot more than the other two that we're going to talk about, in my opinion. And it's centralized. You got to keep that in mind on campus. So You get the healthy puppies, too. Yes, yes. If that's not enough motivation to go to Thompson, I don't know what is. The fourth floor individual study spots, those things are prime. If you can snag one of those little, and just uh, camp out the there. The little pods. Yeah, the little pods. You know, honestly, that's usually my last resort. If I can't find a table on the first three, I'll so go So you're there. one of those people. That'll snag a table by yourself. And That's correct. I will take a four-person table by myself. You're the worst and I type of person. Sprawl and out, I hope you know that. And I'm comfortable with it. Okay. I'm absolutely comfortable with that. I have no insecurities. I do not like the pods very much because they're just so isolated. You look to your left and right, you can't see anything except a, a brown wall. See, that's what I like about it. It's because I can watch. <laughs> All right, so last semester, I think I watched Phenomenal and Creed in those isolated study pods wow and, and you know what i didn't receive judgment for it and you're but saying I, I know hang on a minute you're judging me for taking up a, a whole table to actually study when you're over there taking up a pod at the library to watch movies well you nobody's there to see me taking up the pod because it's so isolated oh interesting no one saw you so it's totally fine yeah is that how crime works what if no one saw you steal a car yeah is that what okay you, it, it's what you do when no one's watching interesting <laughs> it's what that's not that's not what that saying means you're twisting that for your narrative unbelievable so your opinion is pretty much uh invalid at this point if you're saying that the pods are good so no one can see you watching movies at the library when you're supposed to be studying what if someone else wanted that spot 
then they can run up and down the stairs and try to find it off unbelievable chair the problem is you you if you go to one of those floors like in the areas with the books it's very isolated and you'll often find a spot but it's just not comfortable i mean the floor is cement and you're surrounded by giant bookshelves and yeah also if you want to go to the bathroom or go down to get coffee right. you're like oh crap is someone going to steal my stuff yeah exactly so unless That's another you're... thing nobody listening to this podcast is stealing stuff at libraries just don't do it yeah we're all like trying to study and get right. stuff done i'd feel so much better if i could just leave my stuff and be like all right cool this will be here when i get back i agree with that so basically if you're going to go in between the books you better be in it for the long haul and you better not care how comfortable the environment is but if you stick to the tables on the main floors and worst case scenario, maybe go to that giant room by the R-Pack with all the windows with those long tables and the rolly chairs. I don't mind going there. It's not my first choice. But overall, I still think Thompson's the best library. Have you hung out on the 11th floor of Thompson? Is that the highest the, one? Uh, sure. The, I think so. Uh, if by hung out, you mean gone up there and looked and seen it, then yes. I think once during orientation. For yeah. Me, that's I, it. My sister was here the other week and I took her up there just to see it. But That's such a huge part of the OSU. Brand, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I know. And you, and, and you see that you're like, wow, man, I'm going to be studying here all the time. This is dope. And then <laughs> no one ever goes back. I swear there are 50 people on rotation and no one else ever goes up there. <laughs> we can move on. Uh, number two for me is SEL. I really like SEL. It's conveniently located. The cafe is also nice. It's 24-7. That's a huge plus. One thing I don't like about SEL is more than likely if you go there to study, you're going to find a friend or two and you're going to be forced. Well, maybe this is just me because I'm a huge introvert. You're going to end up talking to someone for 20, 30 minutes and it just really eats away at your time at the library. For me personally, I kind of like being isolated, which is why the stained glass desks on the first floor work perfectly for me. I've studied there many of times and I like it because if I do leave stuff there to go to the bathroom or go to the cafe to get my coffee, then it works perfectly because I'm right there. You brought up some points. I don't know that I'd say you brought up some good points. I That's why it's number two. It's, S- it's just eh, it's a library. Yeah, I get that. SEL is, is number three for me. It's small. Um, it's not very comfortable. I mean, it seems like, like you mentioned, you're always going to end up seeing someone and the way the seating is set up, it's kind of hard to be isolated for the most part, especially on the upper floors, <clears throat> right? Or in the basement. I mean, if you go yeah, to the basement, the basement, they have those too. big, those big rooms to the side. Sick flex, by the way, on being so studious that you have to just be alone and get your work done. Can't talk to anyone. No, it's so I can watch Congrats. movies in peace. All oh, right. Yeah. We established. So Rohan, if you ever see Rohan at the library, tell the authorities because he's probably wasting resources watching movies there which he could be doing in bed someone else could take that spot you mentioned the cafe i i don't see the value it's small it doesn't really have anything i, I mean, need there's really no difference between that cafe and berry cafe or terabyte whatever it's called yeah i don't know i've only been to that one a couple times anyways i don't usually eat at the libraries but that along with the uncomfortable group seating and it just looks sort of industrial i think and it's not a very homey it, it is it it's is not a homey older. environment it's an older library. I feel like it's been there for a while. I've it's probably. also called the Science and Engineering Library. So I guess that makes sense. Caters then. to that population. True, true. Yeah, I don't know. Just aesthetically and the size and just how cramped you are when you sit there. I just, I never really feel comfortable. And for that reason, I try to avoid it. And if you're on North Campus, it's not that long of a walk. On to my number one library. That's going to be Prior Health Sciences Library, which is right across from the Ross Heart and Lung Hospital. For me, I really enjoy that space, similar to what Megan was talking about earlier, where 
you're surrounded by a bunch of people who are a little bit further on in their journey uh, in the similar career path. I really enjoy it because a bunch of med students study there. And I don't know, it feels good seeing them grinding through Anki flashcards. And here I am to the side studying biochem. I like that environment a lot. There's a ton of seating. I've never had a problem. It really is the prototypical representative library that other libraries should aspire to emulate. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, to me, it's just a more comfortable SEL. So I have yeah. it ranked at number two above SEL, but not quite as comfortable, I don't think, as Thompson. And then the big drawback is, like you said, it's all the way on med campus across from the Heart Hospital. So it is a hike. You really got to have some transportation or some good legs to get out there. And I agree with you that it's nice to be surrounded because everyone's always grinding in there. You rarely have ever see anyone messing around watching movies. No one would ever do that. I haven't done it Rohan. there. Good. I would feel very uncomfortable. I feel like it's okay in Thompson. Uh, it is probably more acceptable, SEL. but still not acceptable. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a good spot to study. One time I had to do a Spanish voiceover for a video for a project there. And I went in the little studio and it felt really cool. Like I was recording an album, even though I have no uh, musical talent. So if you ever actually need that, it's really cool. It's like this little box. It almost looks like a train car. I think it's on the third floor. Check it out. You can rent um, you can, you can can rent it out for an hour or as long as you need, and it's pretty dope if you're into that kind of thing. Maybe we'll record a pod there once. Yeah, maybe we should. That'll be fun. I tried to. I tried to make this pod set mobile. So I record this thing in my room, and I tried taking it to just a random classroom in Stillman and Hughes Hall, and there's just so much background noise. It sounded horrendous. Cool. So there you have it. Three Thompson, two SEL, one Prior. I actually don't know if that's what I said, but that's it. I've got SEL coming in at number three, Prior at number two, and then Thompson, the mainstream library. It's there for it's 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 that popular for a reason. So there are rankings onto our rant for the week. My rant, it has to do with dealing with bikers on campus. So I am a biker, and I've seen a ton of people complaining about this. But when bikers are going. We're kind of anticipating your ongoing movement. So when you turn, look at us and freeze, our calculations get messed up. And then it's just an awkward situation where you can run into someone. I actually, ha I actually know someone who during their first week at OSU, they got hit by a bike and she was in a cast for like two or three months after. Absolutely horrendous. Not saying it's her fault, but if you do see a biker, just keep going on the path that you're originally intending to go on because the biker should be maneuvering around you you shouldn't be adjusting for them it's kind of similar to encountering a car i mean yeah some of us would probably like to get hit by a car our lives are kind of trash but if you see a car coming at you you're probably gonna bolt in the direction you were going not get stuck like a deer in the headlights so that's my take for the week i myself am not a biker I am a walker and i understand that oh wait actually a tangent to the biker thing to the bikers out there don't go on the sidewalks. It's as simple as that. Stay Agreed. on the stay on the road. That is like, annoying. Wait for the red light to turn green. Don't cut through just to get wherever you're going. You're already ending up wherever you intend to go 10 to 15 minutes faster than you would walking. Don't cut corners in life. Even though I'm a, I'm guilty to that. I'll try my best not to do that. If you see me doing that, call me out on it. Maybe push me over on my bike. I will. Okay, cool. That's a good rant, Rohan. For Thank mine, you. I'd like to focus on a little something called a participation grade. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are in college, and that means you've probably dealt with a participation grade in college. Let's throw it back to elementary school, okay? Um, 
as a teacher, of course, you want all your students engaged. That's a good way to show who knows exactly what's going on. Active learning, I think, is important uh, when you're developing as a young child. And it's important for making friends. And, you know, especially like in the public school system, everybody has to find their little niche and make friends that way. But as you get older, you either know how to make friends, you know how to actively participate in class, or you don't, or you just don't want to. So we're in college, we're 17, 18, 19, et cetera, years old. There's no reason. Who is 17? No, there are freshmen. There are freshmen who are 17. There's no need to hold us accountable to participate in class. Okay. I go to class because I have to. I don't go out of my way to sit there for an hour and 20 minutes at eight in the morning. I shouldn't have to raise my hand and participate in your class, the activities that you're making me do. I don't even have a say in that. Honestly, if you're a flipped classroom person, I apologize. But when I go to class, I honestly just want to sit there and I want you to teach me and then I want to leave. That sounds kind of boring. Foose is not going to enjoy that. I Dr. Foose will be on this podcast soon. Dr. He, he's a champion of the flipped classroom. I apologize. I, really enjoy it. I understand the merit, but it's just not for me. And if you are going to do a flipped classroom, I still don't think that anyone should have to participate. You can so easily know all the material and not say a word in class. And that's usually how I roll. And so if you're trying to say that I'm not mastering it well enough because I don't raise my hand every once in a while and answer a question, I think that's unfair. I think that's dependent on the class as well, though, right? Like if it's a philosophy class that's like 20 to 25 and you're actually trying to dive into the merits of certain claims, I think participation is valuable. But I agree if it's a class that's like heavy vocab just memorization and then spitting out then yeah that maybe doesn't do anything for you or the professor that's a good point i think there are classes whose material warrants discussions but i can tell you this class that i'm talking about right now does not it i would be much happier just being taught the material i am in a i'm in a spanish class for example with only nine people so i can understand why a teacher would want people to be active in that but in, in any class where you just need to know the material and there's not really a debate, so to speak, or, or, or something that warrants or leads it's, lends itself to a discussion, I just do not see the value. And I, and I think that teachers are lazy, frankly, when they do that. I'm with you. It's part of active learning, but I but think there are better why ways. Why do we have to do... I mean, we're active learning, I don't need to actively learn. I can just pay attention and take notes. I don't have to actually do any activities, I don't think. I know that teachers want us to, but it just, I don't know, it just seems unnecessary. Maybe I'm the only one. That's a good rant, but it's my rant. So (laughs) I'm allowed to be the only one. That's a good rant. All right. We're going to wrap that up, move into the short little Q and a, thank you guys for all your submissions for questions that we should answer. Hey, Rohan, how should people submit these questions? If you want to submit questions, email around the oval podcast at gmail.com. Also follow our Instagram around underscore the underscore oval and DM. I just like getting DMS. Don't we all? (laughs) So the first of two questions that we have is what's a thing at OSU that you've never jumped on the hype train for? That's a really good question, JC. That is a really good question. I have an answer for this one. Uh, For me personally, I would say Buckeye-thon. I obviously think it's a great cause and I think it's super cool that so many people participate and I think they just raised what over... 1.7 million, yeah, yeah, which is incredible. So I, I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Just personally, I've never participated i my third this is my third year at ohio state so i'm now over three i'd like to do it next year again i have no problem with it but to answer the question i haven't jumped on the hype train i hope i will next year but so far that's what i would say that's a good answer ben thank you for the second question i'll take this one 
uh, thing that should be on the hype train but isn't? That's another really good question, JC. And my answer to this is group fitness classes. I've been to one and it was one of the more fun one hour experiences I've had. It's a very positive environment and I really enjoyed my time there. So I definitely encourage everyone to at least attend one group fitness class if they can. Uh, even if you're a dude, I don't know, don't be bashful about going into one of those. Take a friend, it'll be fine. So yeah, group fitness classes for me. Keep submitting questions, we'll definitely answer them at some point. That wraps up the third edition of rankings and rants are we are we are we rolling with that absolutely okay that wraps up the third edition of ranking and rants we'll be back next week with something we'll be back next week with best osu people to follow on twitter there are a lot of funny people out there specifically that tweet about just the random stuff that happens at osu i really enjoy them but we'll do our research and we'll report back here i can't wait to plug myself you do have a viral tweet i do have one viral tweet if you count it as viral I don't know what the threshold is. So follow Ben on Twitter. Follow Around the Oval on Instagram. And we'll be back next week with Alex Tullick. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your last name right, but we'll be back next week with him. And he's going to talk about coming from Los Angeles to Ohio State and trying to find a gig in the entertainment industry as a model, as a musician. We're also going to talk about the black scene at Ohio State and dive into mental health advocacy. I think there's some really cool insights and content that Alex is willing to share, so stay tuned for that next week. Thank you to Megan, and thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Around the Oval.